0: Hi there, Selena Kulkani here with another episode of the Alternative Investing Podcast. My mission is to help business owners build high-performance wealth that delivers reliable, predictable cash flow through unconventional strategies so they can fast-track their path to financial freedom. Each week I share with you the strategies, expert interviews, and real people's stories around the topic of wealth and financial freedom. And if you're a business owner who wants to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods, please head over to my website freedomwarrior.com.au where you can access my library of articles, interviews, and programs to help you on your way to becoming more financially free. Before we kick off, I just want to actually give you a bit of a heads up that we've decided to rebrand the podcast. Up to date, it has been the freedom warrior podcast, which is in alignment with my flagship program, the freedom warrior mastermind. However, Some of you have actually contacted me more recently saying that you would have started listening to our podcast sooner had it been clear what the podcast was about. So a couple of reasons we're changing. Number one, we want to make it easier for people to get access to this information. As many of you might be already aware, there's so little information out there about alternative investing and what it means and how to use it to fast track your wealth. And then the second thing is, I guess, you know, I'm really kind of putting a stake in the ground and instead of uh, meandering uh, across lots and lots of different topics that are associated with wealth, I really want to kind of, you know, put the guardrails up and say we're going to stick to the topic of alternative investing. So anyway, guys, uh, thanks for being with me. Thanks for sticking with me. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the show so one of the questions that i've received a few times over the last few weeks is really about the anatomy of lending deals and look i certainly can't claim to be the guru in this space but i've learned enough over the years to give you at least a a pretty clear insight into why i think it's one of the most exciting areas of alternative real estate investing so You know, you guys may have heard me talk about the idea that particularly in the States, but also uh, it's becoming more of a trend here in Australia. um, There are all these opportunities out there where you can actually act as the bank. And I think one of the things that's most exciting about uh, being the bank uh, in a a transaction is that from a security risk uh, and I guess time point of view you are ultimately in one of the most leveraged positions at the table and one of the things that my mentor um, has said to me time and time again is that you know one of the things you always want to be doing in real estate is calculating your you know effective cost of time and you know what he means when he says that is when you look at the way that a deal is packed Uh, or structured, sorry, in in terms of, you know, who participates in the deal, who's involved, who are the stakeholders, who are the people who do the work to make the deal work, whether that's contractors or, um, you know, real estate agents or whoever. Generally speaking, it is the bank which has the highest rate of return, the highest ROI and puts the least amount of time into the deal and uh, basically has the highest position of power in terms of uh, the capacity to control the deal and ultimately protect their downside now that's obviously full of asterisks because if you if you don't structure the deal properly and you don't do good due diligence then you know lending deals like every other kind of uh, investment can uh, turn south on you pretty quickly but Assuming all things equal and assuming you found a, a stable deal, um, you know, all those things hold true. And, and for me, when I first discovered uh, this concept of being the bank and creating lending deals as an idea, it totally blew my mind because, you know, what was uh, what was most interesting was that, you know, this world around, you know, lending and trading of debt as an instrument has been going on for decades. Um, it's, it's a very, very established market, particularly in the States. It's very well understood. And so, because of that, you know, we're not talking about reinventing the wheel here. We're, we're talking about um, really trying to find opportunities to participate in a market that's already well established, but generally, you know, is restricted to space where. Um, You know, it's it's more sophisticated investors and definitely the playground of of higher net worth individuals that that really dominate. So one of the things I thought that would be really useful is just to give you just two or three really simple examples for how um, I've seen lending deals uh, structured. And just a reminder, when we're talking about lending deals, we're talking about owning debt as an asset. Um, So you're the bank, you've loaned money to someone, you have effectively negotiated a fixed rate of interest uh, as a return, and then you've um, also described how your principal will be repaid. So one of the other facets of lending that I really, really love is that depending on who you are, where you are, what your aspirations are, it can go one of two ways. One is that you can look for short-term deals, where you're in and out in, say, six months to a year, uh, all the way through to long-term lending deals, where you can effectively act as the bank um, and provide finance to, um, you know, someone who, for whatever reason, needs that finance over a longer period of time. And for me, longer period could be anywhere from five to 30 years. So I guess, um, If we look first of all at the short term lending deals, um, you know, I'm not necessarily looking to go out and find those deals myself. I, you know, I have a pretty good skill set around doing due diligence, but what I'm really looking for is for someone to support me who goes out there and does this stuff every day. Um, Now, you know, a trusted advisor or a deal maker that's really proficient in this space will do everything in their power to explain this in lay terms but effectively they will find a project where either they personally or someone whom they are affiliated with needs a short term uh, loan um, and I say short term typically is anything under two years. Um, the sorts of terms that I've done on, on deals that I've done over the last 12 months are you know, pretty similar. I'm looking for around 8 to 11% interest on my money and I'm also uh, looking for clarity around how the deal is structured so say for example one of the things I'm always really focused on is doing due diligence on the property itself so say for example uh, you know a dealmaker presents you with an opportunity one of the first things I do is I go and look up the property I look at the address I I kind of just poke around really, I look at the photos, I make sure I understand how my funds are going to be applied. Um, and, you know, you've really got to be thinking like what would a, what would a modern big four bank be doing when someone like you and I go to them to, to borrow money? And you, so, you know, you're looking at things like, well, if, you know, first of all, what kind of leverage will my loan create in this deal? So for example, like for me personally, I, I like looking at deals where the leverage is below. Say for example, you know, if I'm thinking US real estate, 65%, so 60 to 65%. And the reason I'm looking for lending deals where we never go past that sort of you know, figure is because generally on a short-term deal, there's, there's you know, more risk than on a long-term deal where time can often do some of the heavy lifting. But on a short term deal, the reason I'm looking for that low loan to value ratio is I want to know that in the event that the market, you know, craps itself or trips over or something significant happens to property prices, that I've still got enough of an equity cushion um, to protect myself. So, equity cushion is a, an expression that I like to use to really just describe. You know, if something goes wrong and the wheels come off the economy, you know, how much of a cushion have I got to protect myself against any downside? So, in this case, you know, as I said, on the short term loans, I'm really looking for a very low level of leverage. Um, I'm very uh, interested in whether I'm in first or second position as a lender. So, for example, if I'm coming in with a short term loan and there's already another bank mortgage in place. I, I recognise that I might be in second position, but I want to understand again, like if I bring money to the table to you know increase the debt on a property, what sort of risk am I carrying? So for example, if, if the bank's in first position and the property's already leveraged to 70 or 80%, and then I'm being asked to, to lend more money, then obviously that's a more precarious position. And now, I kind of want to add that every market is is very unique. So um, in the Australian market, for example, which people might be more at home with, they might feel that a higher leveraged position is equally as comfortable. So, you know, please understand that there's no hard and fast rules around what kind of leverage you should be prepared to tolerate. It's more around making sure That you understand the market that you're going into and that you find your threshold for what you're prepared to tolerate in terms of a loan to value ratio. If I move now to longer term lending deals, an example of a longer term lending deal could be where again I'm not looking to go out and find families that are looking for lending. I'm going to be working with a deal maker who has access to a pool of vetted applicants who, for whatever reason, and there can be a, a vast array of reasons why families or individuals can't get traditional bank finance, some of those may be legitimate, some people may have lost businesses as a result of COVID, some people may have some black mark against their credit rating from you know, five years ago, and it, it could be another two years before traditional banks are prepared to talk to them. But sometimes there are often reasons which are you know, people just fall on on hard luck and it doesn't make them a bad person. Um, it just means that um, you know they may have really great stewardship and really great money management skills and they might even be very entrepreneurial or successful in whatever vocation they do. but um, they can't get traditional lending from a bank because they're looking for um, you know loans that probably sit outside of what a traditional bank would consider a good applicant. So this deal maker will kind of connect me not only to the people that might want that sort of lending. so you know non-bank lending, but they'll also you know join the dots and put the entire deal together. So for example, Um, they'll find the home that, you know, family X want to buy. They'll do the due diligence, um, prepare some financials for me. And of course, it's my job as the investor to layer all of that with my own due diligence. But I may come up with uh, an arrangement where I loan either part or all of the value of that home. Now, if we're talking about a traditional uh, US real estate deal that I kind of look at you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that those deals are sub 100000 And uh, effectively, again, I'm looking for returns of 8 to 12%, depending on the deal. And, you know, there's a pretty good chance that, you know, sometime before the 30-year mark, or even a five-year loan, um, that that family will kind of recognise that, you know, paying me a very high rate of interest isn't palatable. And they may, in that period of time, repair their credit... Um, get some more money together and then go to a traditional lender and refinance. Um, So, you know, I get that that's kind of like an option there. But I love in the longer term lending deals, and one of the reasons that lots of uh, investors really love those long term lending deals, is you're really setting up an annuity. You're setting up a long term um, cash flowing income stream for yourself at a very very good rate of return far superior than having it just sit in the bank where you might get one to two percent and structured in a way that really your downside protection is number one you're only lending to a certain percentage of the value of the home so let's go back to our example of you know a hundred thousand dollar home the uh, the family that want to purchase the property they may bring Thirty to $40,000 to the table as their skin in the game. And the reality is that if, if someone's putting that much skin in the game, from my perspective, it's highly unlikely that they're going to walk away from it. So, you know, for me, you know, it, it's not like the, the Wild West that we saw pre-global financial crisis where, you know, the banks were doing 100 to 105% lending. You know, I, I'm talking about whoever the individual or family is that are coming in on this deal they're putting a lot of money into the into the deal themselves so I can feel good about about them Um, you know I can do all the proper checks and balances around you know who they are what their financial situation is what their employment situation is and then make a decision um, in the same way that a bank would and I know that you know really the two ways that I'm going to potentially roll out of this deal is if uh, the family refinance, uh, that's one option. You know, they'll they'll basically refinance with a traditional lender and pay me out. Second is they, you know, fall over in a heap and they stop paying their mortgage, in which case there are very clear cut provisions as to how I would go in and basically take ownership of that property. And given that, you know, really I've only got a, a small level of uh, or a relatively small and uh, comfortable level of leverage, That sits well with me. And then I guess the final uh, way that I potentially could get out of the deal is that by creating this arrangement, I have created an asset. And so, as I said earlier, one of the things that is just mind boggling is that there is a huge market for hungry investors to come along and purchase that debt from you. Um, It's an asset, it's an annuity. And, you know, so often in the circles that I move in, if you want to get out of a long-term lending deal, in fact, if you want to get out of a short-term lending deal, there are generally a lot of hungry investors out there who will take those loans off your hand and carry them on their balance sheet as an asset. So guys, I, I, I hope I've kind of given you enough of an overview. As I said, there are definitely people out there who are just world-class in their capacity to you know creatively play in the space of lending and owning debt as an asset what i understand enough of um, at this stage of my journey is that from a risk perspective it carries far lower risk than people might imagine Um, you know as i said I, i feel like i'm often in the highest position at the table in terms of time leverage um, return and with the lowest level of risk. And that sits really well with me. So if you talk to people who are, you know, what I would regard as pretty sophisticated investors who understand this world of alternative real estate, a lot of people over the last three, four, five years who have recognized that there's a lot of froth in the market, there's, you know, real estate prices are just too high. a lot of these guys will hold a reasonably high percentage of their portfolio as lending deals um, because they're happy to take, um, within that space, a, a relatively modest return at, you know, as I said, anywhere from, I'll even say as low as 6% up to sort of 12%, but it's predictable, it's sustainable. You don't have to think. You don't have to turn up you don't have to deal with maintenance you don't have to deal with tenants you don't have to deal with toilets so all that stuff that i keep you know harping on about it just the money just turns up every month and uh if you're an investor who wants a better rate of return who likes the idea of kind of not dealing with the day-to-day management who likes the idea of being as you know from a you know position of power point of view one of the you know, most important people at the table, if you like the time leverage, if you do like the idea of set and forget, then you know lending as a strategy should definitely be something that you consider. Um, now, I've given you mostly examples within the, you know, the US market, but there are definitely lending opportunities that exist also in the Australian market. I guess my word of caution would be you need to know who you're dealing with you need to understand all the same things in terms of how much leverage what if things go wrong what if I want to get out and you know the the issue that we face somewhat in the Australian market is because um, you know it's not a an asset class that we trade as investors um, you know the entry and exit considerations need to be really well thought through so anyway guys hope you enjoyed today's episode please feel free to submit questions to me, reach out to me on socials, reach out to me through my website. And yeah, I look forward to um, connecting with you next time. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're a business owner feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.